Lord God, I give you thanks for my brother and my friend. I pray that you would just uh, give him clarity to deliver the words you've put in his heart and on his spirit. Give us ears to hear what yes, you're saying to the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I just want to be re real clear about this. I'm not the prophet spoken of in Deuteronomy. I'm not that guy. Uh, I'm the sinner that's spoken of elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, we're going to do something really different today because this is a difference. I was thinking, coming, uh, walking up the stairs, and I'm like, how do you do a liturgical service in an hour? I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Like. So, uh, like I say, the, uh, I always thought that an hour and a half was a, was a remarkable achievement. <laughs> also, but I'm going to uh, do my best to keep an eye on the clock, and if I forget to keep an eye on the clock, I give you my brother's permission to come up and say, you shut up. <laughs> You're out of time. Uh, but um, I want to read this scripture, and then we'll get to it. What, what I want to do today is I want to go through the Eucharist service. And we're going to, uh, you know, of course, trying to go through a Eucharist service is one of those things that probably takes at least five hours or longer to you have to even get close to explaining the Eucharist. And probably it's something that takes years and years, not decades, to actually explore it all. Uh, but we're going to give it a shot. And, and so what the difference is is that as I'm just going to go through the do the Eucharist. With a kind of a running commentary on it, and running thoughts that uh, have been impacting me in this last year, particularly. But I did want to read this from First uh, Corinthians, chapter eleven, where Paul speaks to the Corinthians and says, "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for which is for you.'" Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Uh, it's from this part of Scripture here, these few verses, is where we get our Eucharist liturgy. We get a tremendous amount of our Eucharist liturgy from there. So I'm going to transfer from this to the Eucharist liturgy. I don't. Do you personally need to? <laughs> yes, please. Let's do confession, Father. Lead us in confession. Apparently, I need it badly. <laughs> Jesus said, The first commandment is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You may uh, continue to be seated or kneel as we prepare to cast our stance together. <coughs> Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Yes. Most merciful God, we confess, confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. What, what we have done, and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, 
not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. We may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, I guess I could just preach from back here yeah. as I go through this. So. Well, obviously, as I stated before, this is different and, uh, and unusual because I have no clue what I'm doing now, <laughs> apparently. Apparently, I've got to depend on others to... So, no, no, you got to do this. Need to do that. Kind of the story of my life. And I'll... Let me get out of your way, brother. And find my place here. I can start right there. I've done a little bit of this, but not doing it as in the context of actually the, the Eucharist itself, but explaining the Eucharist at the uh, school in uh, Selma to, uh, with some of the kids. We have a daily chapel, and uh, when I get a chance, uh, sometimes I do this. And the reason is because of... Uh, the impact it's, it's had on my life forever in that sense or at least for the last 20 plus years for sure uh, and more so and more so the uh, the biggest one of the biggest struggles I have with the Eucharist is doing it because sometimes I get just blown away I may read one sentence, and it's like it's like oh my! It's like changes my world. In that moment, I'm just caught up, and I have to force myself to the next sentence. I mean, you know, like especially with uh, children, they don't understand a a, a, a two-hour contemplative moment, <laughs> you know. Um, but th that has happened to me more and more in the last few years and stuff, and. Uh, but so in praying about what to share with you guys, uh, I thought this might be good because we've gone through and are going through a, a, a totally insane, crazy, upside down, sideways, messed up, going backwards time now in our in our world, and not just our world, but the whole world. And so the struggle that uh, see with a lot of Christians and stuff is that. Uh, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to believe anymore. You know, it's like we've been talking, and you know, cause I, my my joke is about the mask stuff. It's like, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. And um, we've got this thing so messed up that we honestly, we really don't know what the truth is about it. As to what to whether to you know, wearing a mask is good or wearing a mask is bad, because the expert, the experts, has told us 
two different stories at two different times uh, and has admitted that he lied at one time. So what do you know to do and how to exist in this current world that we're having to exist in and particularly as a Christian? You know, uh, I can't imagine not how life is for a non-Christian or how life is for a very uh, what, nominal or very shallow-based Christian. And their faith is right now. It's just so, I mean, I struggle uh, tremendously. And like in the course of this past year, I've had, uh, we've had to bury two people at the cathedral that were close to me, one being the bishop's wife, Olivia, just... And uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, led me to become somewhat depressed. And, you know, and I had to realize that and go like, oh, the reason I'm where I'm at right now is that uh, it's a kind of a depression that has settled in of like, you know, um, kind of thing that has affected my entire life to a degree that I've, I need to realize and think elsewhere. And, but the, the one consistent thing that I know and that I find from my Christian life is the Eucharist. You know, we teach in our uh, tradition that the Eucharist is the centerpiece of our church. Uh, but the problem with the, it being a centerpiece, you know, and is that uh, we do it all the time. Like in Selma, I do participate in a Eucharist service six days a week. And, uh, which I'm also I'm so grateful for that, but I do recognize that we have a tendency: the more we do something, the more it becomes repetitious, and the more we tune out. You know, and I see people do that, particularly with young people. You know, it's like you know when you're like talking to a bunch of teenagers and stuff, and they're all looking down. You can bet they've done tuned you out for YouTube or Facebook or whatever teenagers do now. I really don't know. Uh, so. That's why I'm wanting to look at the Eucharist like this, is that uh, one of the things I was told very early on by uh, Father Terry as I was in the ordination process was that the church service and the Eucharist particularly, was we need to treat it and come to it like a play. Because it's an acting out of all of, of the basic, you know, the foundational strain or however you want to look at it of what Christianity is. And so it's something that's being acted out. It's, it's a, and, it's a, and that's why there's, you're called to participate. You know, the definition for, lit, for liturgy is the work of the people. And so doing the Eucharist and the people not being a part of it is like heartbreaking. It really is because you're, it's important. You're important. You're a part of it. And it's important for you. And it, but it's important for all of us to not miss one single word that's in the Eucharist. That's how powerful the Eucharist is. And it's, it's not so, you know, when you look, uh, like what I just read this morning, most of the Eucharist, large portions of the Eucharist, are just Scripture that's plugged into this. So it's not like, you're, it's not like a, a, a poem by some unknown person. You know, it's something that the Holy Spirit inspired from the very beginning. Christ Himself said, This is my body, this is my blood. In the very beginning of that night, before He was crucified. And so we need to guard our hearts against taking the Eucharist lightly. You know, 
Uh, I've gone to uh, Eucharist services and, and hear priests and even bishops, you know, they, read, they do the Eucharist like this. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer which earth is given to human hands of aid, and it will become the body of Christ. You've heard that, haven't you, Father? It breaks my heart. Well, on my personal level, it just breaks my heart because I know that, you know, and there's sometimes when we do need to do the Eucharist a little quicker, read it, you know, but not like that. Uh, probably in Selma, everybody probably hates me doing the Eucharist because I read it like slow motion, you know. Uh, but it's because sometimes, not every time, but when, when God just graces me with it. Every word is so precious that I just want to hold that word, literally hold it in my mouth and taste it and absorb that word and all. Uh, you know, several months ago or even a year ago, you know, I shared a homily on the words at the very end of Behold. Just that one word. Is, you know, if you really get that one word and you just contemplate it, what's being said there in the context that it's being said, it changes your life. It really does. And all. But the reason I want to do this uh, is, uh, and I'm going to probably have to read it like that because of the time restraints, but I'll do the best I can with this, is that this is our hope. Not the Eucharist as, the, as in the pages of the Eucharist. It's Christ Himself that is our only hope in this world. You can dive off into all this political mumbo-jumbo that you want to, and you're going to be broken-hearted and horribly let down, you know, uh, or anything else. You can get off into, uh, you know, and this isn't being recorded, is it? Yes. No, it is? Yes. No, you've got to destroy the recording. <laughs> uh, if Father Terry ever heard me say this, he'd kill me. But you can get so involved in social activism of, of some kind, like, like the pro-life movement. I know people that are so involved in the pro-life movement that they've, they've lost sight of their real purpose, which is Christ. You know, in the pro-life movement, I'm a part of it, done a lot of stuff in it, been to all kinds of places, Washington several times, helped shut down a clinic as a part of that. And, all. and it's an important thing, but it's not the only thing. And it's not the thing that we can hang our hat on. Because if we hang our hat on that nail, we're going, to be, we're going to go through some really hard, difficult times. Because there's no hope in pro-life. It's important. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's important. But your hope is in Christ. Your hope is not in overturning Roe versus Wade. That can't be where your hope is. You, you want to do that? You want to do things to help do that? Absolutely. But that can't be your, your sole focus. Your sole focus needs to be very, very tunneled to Christ Himself. You know, the only nail to hang your hat on is the nails of the cross. You know, and that's what the Eucharist teaches us if we would but just listen to it. It explains the whole deal and gives us hope in, in that deal. Just like uh, uh, these, these words are, uh, I'll try to remember to do all the motions. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of all creation. Think about that. First things out of your mouth. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of creation. Do you feel that way? 
today? I mean, I can tell you that it was not that many days ago that when I woke up in the morning, I didn't feel blessed. You know, I just buried a, a remarkable woman and part of my life and a friend just two weeks before that. And I was living in a world of crazy. And, the, and I don't live in the, really the outside world. I'm talking about the, world, the inside world of the church. You know, that we've divided ourselves in, as members of the church over the silliness of a mask or the silliness of a vaccine, whether to do it or not do it kind of thing, that we, do, that we divide ourselves and have an argument. So there was this not that long ago that I wasn't getting up in the morning feeling very blessed. You know, I was getting up more like, well, here's another day. You know, but what the Eucharist does, if we pay attention, is it totally refocuses. It totally uh, does a, a whole new, in the words that the, the current, some of the current words that the charismatics use, it, they, God downloads the whole thing to us, you know, which is a ridiculous thought. But it's a refocus and it's a recalibration, it's a re reminding of everything. That's actually the, the most important things. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer His goodness. We were, we're being reminded it's His goodness which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become the body of Christ. Here again, hear these words. This should be such an encouraging and important word to you right here, right in the beginning, is earth is given and your hands have made. You have participated far beyond your imagination. And that's what these words simply tell us, so simply, but if you think about it so powerfully, is that without your participation, then... The, the very bread that becomes the body of Christ isn't even made. You know, how important is that? Blessed be God forever. Again, it comes back to this. It's blessed be God forever. That's, we're called to bless God in our prayers, in our life, is to, to, to bless Him because of his, Him blessing us continually. And then it tells us by the, did you already put the water in? No, did not. Did not. Okay. Some churches do, some churches don't. So then we take simple water and we mix it. To, and we say this, by mixing of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. That's one that's uh, created me a problem a few weeks ago. And that's just kind. Of, that's just kind of like an almost like an add-on to the actual Eucharist prayers. There's this simple prayer that the priest prays, and I realize, like, wow! In the very beginning, we're we're to come to share in the divinity. He he brings us to this place that we can share in His divinity, not by anything that we do, but by what He does. And it's in the very beginning of this. Think about that. That you're called, your purpose is to share in His divinity.
to manifest His presence, to manifest His divinity in this world through allowing Christ to live His life rather than you living your life. Man, this is just the first paragraphs or so in the Eucharist. How powerful are those words? And why? Why are you called? Because He first shared in our humanity. You know, what an awesome, you know, Deal like whoever your hero is in life, if it's a if it's a president or some rock guy or some Christian musician or Christian author or Christian preacher or something, if you was given the opportunity to go sit with him and hang out with him for a week, how would you feel? You know, you'd be like all into it. So uh, I'm not going to get very far, am I? You warned me, didn't you? The uh, but that's what we're called to do. And the Eucharist reminds us of that calling, and, and not just the calling, but the privilege that He has done for us. And then, of course, we have the blessed are you, Lord God, King of all creation. Through, through your goodness, we have this wine to offer. Fruit of the vine, and again, work of your hands. It will become the blood of Christ. And it's blessed be God forever. And then we have... The interaction between us. Does the Lord be with you? Also Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. And then we do what we call the the preface. And again, this is just another. It's just okay. Let me remind you of something here, guys. That that's literally what God is in the people who put this together by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's not Scripture. I'm not going to say that the Eucharist prayers are Holy Scripture, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For today you have revealed the mystery of our salvation in Christ as a light for the nations. And when He appeared in our mortal nature, He made us new by the glory of His immortal nature. Boy, think about that for a few seconds. You can spend you can spend a few few weeks on that one, right there, just absorbing what all the meaning there. And so, with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and all the hosts of heaven, and the powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So again, there's so much right there. It's that drawing, drawing back to, to the remembrance of what this is all about. It's not just something that we do because it's something that we do. It's something that we do because we need to be reminded as often as we do this, remember it didn't say as often as you do this, participate. It said, remember. And so, if you'll start, I think that if you start breaking this down sentence by sentence, even word by word, and allow the Holy Spirit to really speak into your heart and pay attention to what you're hearing and what you're reading uh, every Sunday or every day, it will change your life in a dramatic fashion. Because it recenters you, it recalibrates your thinking, it relays your foundations 
of uh, as a Christian. And then, you know, like, uh, I know that I can go into a Eucharist service because I do six a week, and because of all that's going on, with a bad attitude about life, not a bad attitude about necessarily somebody, although there's some politicians that I really struggle with. But, uh, but just having that, what's the point? You know? And y'all, some of you are not old enough, but when you get to old enough, and that's what I found is that when I got really turned 70, 69, and 70, you begin to really think about that way too often. It's what's the point? Because you know your life is kind of kind of winding down somewhat. You know your your mortality is staring you in the face. Uh, but I've never left a Eucharist service that I wasn't filled with hope. You know, that like, yeah, you know, it, that's who, this is what it's about. Lord, you are holy indeed, a fountain of all holiness. Wow, think about that sentence. He's holy indeed, and he is the fountain of all holiness. So if you're struggling with some issues in your life, you know how to fix them? Go to the fountain. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy so that they become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted. Think about that. How often do you think of the fact that in that term is that he freely accepted dying on a cross for you. You know, we tend to, again, things that we participate in, things that we've heard so much, we tend to just start kind of setting them over here, setting them over here, and we don't think about them. We don't explore the possibilities of them, of what those words actually mean. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted for you. He took bread and gave you thanks. Broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. So that Christ did that. Christ commanded that. Christ instituted that. He's the one who said that. The apostles didn't all of a sudden say that. Paul didn't just all of a sudden say that. Christ said it first. And those guys believed what he was saying. You know, they didn't understand it any more than we can understand it, how that happens. But part of what he's saying here is, is he wants you to remember is not only is this his body and blood, and you're going to take a very, very small part of this, but what he really wants you to remember is that this is what sustains you. This is the food from heaven that sustains you. That's a part of that message. Not just that it's his body and blood, which is awesome. That's, and that's the main thing. It's his body, his blood that we partake in. That we get to partake of that. But that we need to remember that it is the very substance that sustains us. It's him. And we get to handle it, partake in it. When supper is ended, he took the cup... Again, he gave you thanks and praise, gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the whole world, for the forgiveness of sins, for the healing of fallen and broken humanity. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. 
you can spend the rest of your life just that, just looking at that and thinking about that. The, uh, I don't listen to a lot of Christian preachers and stuff anymore, but the tiny bit that I do and hear, I just, I, I, speaking about the, uh, the blood of Christ, that is the blood that was shed for you and that you're cleansed by that blood. It's for the forgiveness of sins is the reason he shed that blood. That's not really preached that much anymore. It's kind of like, okay, you've heard it enough. Let's get on to something more spiritual. And, um, oh, yeah. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. See, again, he's calling you to remember that like this isn't just something you blow through. Remember Him. Therefore, let us proclaim. You proclaim. Not me, not Brian, but you proclaim. That means, really, would you go out here on... on uh, well, uh, y'all working with... Don't one of y'all work at the university? Yeah, You wouldn't go on the university campus and just spout anything. Right? But if there was something... Yeah, but if there was something that meant something that you was 100% sure of and that you was willing to die for, you might would do that. That's what this is. That's what this is. Therefore, let us proclaim, and I'm not telling you to go on the university campuses, okay, and do this. I'm just saying this is the importance of what we're doing is that we need to know. We need to think about that. Be, be you know, Know what we're saying. What our words actually really, the meanings of all these words, when you stick them all together in this way, what that meaning is and can be a consequence. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. In memory of His death and resurrection, there it is again. Like, if you're just doing this to do something and go eat lunch, you're missing out. Remember. Remember. In memory of His death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence. You know, the only reason we, any of us are here is because He counted us. You know, like, I don't know what your personal beliefs are about salvation, but you did not choose Christ first. Christ chose you first. He says that very plainly, I have chosen you, hey, you have not chosen me. It's the Scripture. Can't remember where it's at right now, but it's there. Because it's one of my life verses that, for me. It's that no matter how messed up I get, He chose me. You know, I don't know why He chose me, but He did. Other than His love. In memory of His death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about that? Think about that for a minute. One of the things that's going on here for you, or should be going on with you, is like, it's not just about me. It's about you. It's about what are we doing? We're being brought together in unity. But not just us in this room, but all Christians as a whole. When we take of this, we should be so aware of our need for this. We should be so aware that He gave His life for us, that it's His blood that has accomplished this. And everything, everything has been done by Him for us. He's chosen us to participate. But 
we should be we should be able to have grace and mercy and empathy for all of our brothers and sisters of different flavors. Yes. You know, because uh, the uh, one of the things I've learned is that you take all of the basic Christians uh, denominations and stuff. There's not that many differences. On, on, on real theology and real doctrine. It's just when we get off into the weeds over things that we shouldn't be in the weeds about. There were those differences. So, but we shouldn't allow those things to make us not be in love with, with others. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch. Think about that for a minute. Make us that's acknowledging that we got a ways to go here. And that we're not going to get there unless He does it. Yeah. And that's with our patriarch, you know, and our bishop. With our patriarch Craig Bates and our bishop Chuck Jones and all the clergy. And I have spent a good bit of time around, I've spent way more than a good bit of time around Bishop Chuck and some around uh, our, our patriarch. And they're just normal human beings. You know, and sometimes they can do things that you're not. You, you struggle with your love. <laughs> you know? See, you have to remember that it's, you. You can only love if Christ basically makes it happen inside of you. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken as we receive the body and blood of Jesus. May we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all, O Lord, for you have made us worthy to share eternal life with all the saints. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. By Him, with Him, and in Him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Again, you can spend weeks and months just thinking about that little paragraph right there. And of course, we're reminded that Jesus Himself taught us so we can be bold to pray these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, I'm not going to try to do a running commentary no more. <laughs> Father Ronnie will be coming over here and dragging me off. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, Therefore let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us your peace. And this is perhaps the hardest part for me to keep going. Because just, I don't know, it just is. Behold God's love for you. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Lord, we praise you that in these holy gifts there is healing for body, soul, and spirit. Amen. Amen.
Father, will y'all go do the rest of this? Because I'm not sure how y'all serve each other and stuff here. It's done differently. <laughs> that I was going to need much more help. So thank you for helping me stay on point and move along a little bit, brother. Uh, I don't think I'd have done so well without a little bit of help from my friends. See, I'm an old hippie beetle guy. Get by with a little help from my friends. <laughs> and all. The, um, you know, a lot of times, I'm sure you do too, after you do a homily or something or you do anything, you think, wow, was that really good? Was that like, was I should have done something else or whatever? And so I always go through that because I have such low self-esteem issues. That's one of my big issues in life is, is having such low self-esteem. But when I turned around and looked, I saw this. You know, and that's all I'm telling you. That's all... That's really the bottom line of the whole homily today is just be still. Take some time. Mm -hmm. And in that, you'll know God. And I'm not saying that's the only way because we, you know, I've, I've been in some pretty hectic, terrifying situations in the moments that I came to know Him too, but that is kind of the base way. Mm -hmm. Just be still. If you're having trouble, stop it. Mm -hmm. Be still. And then you stay still long enough, you'll know that He is God because He'll begin to really speak to you. Amen. Well, let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, You have graciously accepted us as living members of Your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And You have fed us spiritual food in the sacrament of His body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve You with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. <clears throat> Michael the Archangel, angel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all, and all evil spirits who roam throughout Tuscaloosa, Selma, and the whole world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. This is one of my favorite blessings. There are so many different ones, but again, because this one is, because uh, I thought about this because I was doing it all the time. I thought, well, I need to do something different, you know. And the Lord said, well, that's okay. But remember, you've got to come back to this occasionally because you've got to be reminded of this yourself. And, all. and we all need to be reminded of this place. That as we depart this place and we go in our separate ways, that we're to remember the gospel. Now, what is that gospel? That Christ, that God was in Christ reconciling the world and you to himself, not counting yours or men's sins against them. God loves you. God has forgiven you. God is not mad at you nor ashamed of you. And he will never leave or forsake you. And now may the blessings of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Amen.